Our first scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs in the 31st chapter, verses 10 through 31. Listen for God's word today. A capable wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates and takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchants with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy, her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the city gates. Our psalm is the first. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Our New Testament reading is from the letter of James in the third chapter, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have a bitter enemy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. 
And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And from the Gospel of Mark in the ninth chapter, verses 30 to 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The wise woman of Proverbs, we've spent a couple of weeks on her. Woman as the personification of wisdom. And here we see this picture of the wise woman. She does it all. She has it all. That's not very helpful to today's harried mothers who are trying to do it all and have it all. Today's moms definitely are held to a standard that is perhaps not reasonable. All of these virtues of the wise woman that are listed, it's unlikely that all of them would be found in any particular individual human being. But it is interesting, though, that coming out of a society that is very strongly patriarchal, that wisdom should be portrayed as a woman. First century Palestine was very definitely a patriarchy. And today's scriptures tell us of the non-privileged of that society, women and children. Those favored by the empire and by the society of the time were the ones with power and status, essentially the men. Women were subordinate and children were downright non-persons. Yet Proverbs shows us a deeper glimpse beneath the patriarchy. 
I once knew an old Southern Baptist woman. She was a very strong woman. She had strong opinions, and she was very active in the Baptist women chapter at her church. And I asked her one day how she could countenance the gender power dynamic of her chosen denomination. She said to me, oh, honey, the men only think they're in charge. The wise woman is the reason for her husband's success and status in this part of Proverbs. But this passage, even though it's often drawn up on Mother's Day and on other Women of the Church Sundays, it's not really a passage celebrating women. It celebrates a partnership that is meant to exist between men and women. The woman and her husband are complementary. It is an equal partnership, and in it, the whole household prospers. So what does that say to today's society? One in which the idea of women is revered, but actual women are typically not. On the street, women are harassed and even attacked, called terrible names when we say no, called liars when we speak out, told that if something happened to us, it's our own dang fault. Any woman speaking out is accused of trying to destroy a good man when a good man has already destroyed her. Even when we're nursing our children, which society expects us to do, we're called obscene. Because no one wants to see an, a sexual object employed in its proper function. And the men who are truly good, who would never behave this way, too often stand by silently as they watch it happen. And many times, even women get in on the act of debasing their sisters because they weren't living up to what society thinks they should do or be. In Hollywood, women have to be young and pretty. Once you're not young anymore, there are no more roles for you. Those of you who are Spider-Man fans, who grew up knowing Aunt May to be a kindly, grandmotherly type of figure, compare that with today's iteration of Spider-Man where Marissa Tomei plays Aunt May, hardly the grandmother figure. Then, of course, we've all heard of the infamous casting couch where the likes of Harvey Weinstein demand sexual favors from women, and if they refuse, he destroys their careers. Even in the church, women have faced centuries of abuse, centuries of harassment. I have been personally told by several men to my face that they'd consider coming to my church not because of my preaching or pastoral care, not because of my spiritual guidance, not because of my education and intelligence, but because they think I'm nice to look at. Even in Washington, we see these pictures 
of a room full of old white men, not a woman to be found among them making decisions for the entire country. And of course, the outrage over the all-male panel that initially was going to hear testimony over sexual assault. The phrase that's been around for nearly 20 years, if you're not on the table, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. We have the lowest rates of female representation in government among the developed countries, and the women who are in government are very often painted as wicked, treasonous harpies. I've grown up hearing that women could never be head of state, despite the fact that so many other countries in the world have clearly demonstrated that yes, women can indeed be head of state and do a fabulous job, thank you very much. Even now, some of you may be getting angry with me for speaking these truths. When that happens, ask yourself why you're getting angry. If we're honest with ourselves, we'll find that the resentment comes because truth about how our society treats women is an ugly thing. And to a certain extent, we are all complicit. The book of Proverbs this collection of wisdom, of teachings that were handed down to the young people of the community speaks to this. Wisdom recognizes that women are integral to society. Equal partners, partnership and full participation of women make the household thrive and writ large make the society thrive. And Jesus goes even one step beyond that. It's not just the underprivileged in society that matter, it's the non-persons too. Those whom society considers of no consequence. Jesus tells us that we must make room for them too. We tend to latch on to this picture of Jesus cuddling a little child. I've seen it painted on the walls of any number of church Sunday school wings. But this is not a marshmallow peep kind of story. It's an object lesson. This is what it takes to be the kingdom of God. When even the people with the absolute lowest status in society are included and engaged, you cannot have the kingdom without even the lowliest person. It just doesn't happen. The kingdom doesn't come about unless that little child and all she represents is fully included. So again, the relevance. It's not just about bringing women to the table. It's about bringing everyone to the table. It's not a competition or struggle for which gender or other demographic has dominance over everybody else. It's about an equal partnership among all demographics. That's how society thrives, when the woman and the man work together for the benefit of all, when the adults and the children work together for the benefit of all, when the privileged and the underprivileged work together for the benefit of all. No exploitation, no domination, no subordination. 
We are very fortunate that we live in a society where we can actively work toward this vision. And we are even further blessed as Christians that we are given the duty to do so. Kathy Dawson said, the world will give us many messages about who we are to be, but our primary calling is as children of God. And so as you engage in society, in public life, in civics, remember that our primary calling is as children of God. And then stop to think and ask yourself these questions. How will what I do in this situation, in this interaction, in this relationship, in this vote, bless the poor and the meek and the peacemakers, those who are persecuted, those who hunger and thirst for justice? How will I proclaim good news to the poor release to the captives, and freedom to the oppressed. Let's not be caught like the disciples with nothing to say when Jesus asks, what were you up to? Rather than arguing about our own status as they did, let us remember those whom Jesus calls blessed. Remember those whom Jesus has come to speak words of good news then truly be Jesus' disciples and do as he did. Bless the poor, meek, persecuted, hungry, and the peacemakers. Proclaim good news to the poor, release to the captives, and freedom to the oppressed. And do this in all that we say and do in every aspect of our lives. This is for the kingdom and for the glory of God always. Amen.